Hello and welcome back to Lead with Compassion with me, Nico McCall, your host. Today is episode 5 and I warned you last time there is a trigger warning associated with this episode. We are going to be talking about injections, needles, and fainting. So I'm a fainter. It's not something that I'm really ashamed to admit. Uh, When I go to the doctor office now as an adult and I have to have blood drawn or I'm going to get a shot, I always warn the nurse up front, look, I'm a fainter, just so they can be on the lookout of any signs that I am about to pass out. And just to kind of just to make them aware, I have been in a situation where I warned a doctor that I was a fainter and he gave me a shot and then left the room and I was in the room by myself. And so I started experiencing the first kind of symptoms of knowing that I was going to pass out and I didn't have anyone to tell. But usually when I let people know up front that I am a fainter, They make sure to have continuous conversation with me or just kind of do things to keep me engaged in my mind off of what's happening. So let's go back to the first time I fainted. I was a kid, um, elementary school, I think, and I had to get a booster shot before going to school. So my mom took me down to the health clinic and I got my shot and everything was fine. Pretty sure I didn't even cry. We walked up to the front desk and I remember her writing the check and I just started to feel really weird and I didn't know what was happening. And the next thing I knew, I opened my eyes and I was laying down on the ground and all of these adults were above me looking down on me. Apparently, I had fallen backwards and hit my head on the radiator And since I had never fainted before and I hit my head, they called for an ambulance. So I had to be taken in the ambulance to the ER to be checked out. And it turns out everything was fine. All of my vitals were okay. And they let me go. So that was the very first time I fainted. It was a traumatic experience. After that, I was now aware that I fainted. And so there was added anxiety. And it's really interesting looking back on that moment because that very first time that I got a shot and walked out to the front and then passed out, I didn't have anxiety ahead of time. I didn't know that I was going to pass out. I had no reason to expect that. And so even even though I didn't have the added element of anxiety or even fearing getting a shot, I still passed out. My body still had that reaction to getting a shot. So after that event, anytime I needed to get a shot or even a finger prick, I fainted once getting my finger pricked, my mom would not tell me that I was getting a shot. We would be in the car, on the way to the doctor's office, and that's when she would break the news. In retrospect, she probably should have waited until we were in the room, just because that would have been even less time that I had to freak out. But after that first incident of fainting, I now went into panic mode anytime I knew I was going to get a shot, which didn't help the fainting. 
because that just that just added to me hyperventilating and passing out. So there were many times throughout my life that I have fainted and they didn't all have to do with getting shots. There was this one time in fifth grade, I was in math class. It was almost the end of that class, but I really had to go to the bathroom. I was trying to wait till the end of class and just finally realized I wasn't going to be able to wait those last couple minutes. And so I went and asked the teacher if I could go to the bathroom and she's like, no, class is almost out. Well, I don't think she realized that I already had this internal monitor that I tried to not put people out. I I tried to take care of everything that I could on my own before involving others, especially asking for help. And so she didn't realize that I had already waited as long as I could. So I went back and I sat down at my desk and the walls just started closing in. And the next thing I knew, I was laying sideways on the floor and my classmates were kneeling over me, seeing if I was okay. Somehow, I did not wet my pants when I fainted that time. I don't know how my body did that. But it did, and I was very thankful to not have that added embarrassment on top of the embarrassment I was already feeling. Even having discussions about people getting shots or getting injured or getting sick or conversations about blood or needles started this process inside myself that resulted in fainting. I can remember just sitting there and not even being involved in the conversation as a kid, but the adults around me were having this conversation and I just had to get up and leave because I started recognizing the reaction of my body that was going to result in this fainting. So it didn't even have to be happening to me. It could just be a conversation about something that happened to somebody else. And this fear, I guess, of, of shots and injections and blood became my biggest hurdle in deciding to transition to male because I was going to have to have testosterone one way or another. And I knew that the most common way for the testosterone to be administered was by injection. So I was very hesitant to start this process. And these injections that are used for testosterone are usually intramuscular injections. So the needle has to be long enough to reach down into the muscle. You can't just take testosterone by yourself. It has to be mixed with a base and that base is usually pretty thick. So you can't have like a very, very tiny gauged needle. When I went to the doctor for the first time to get this testosterone prescription, they got out a needle and got out a vial of saline and had me practice drawing it up because my doctor was two and a half hours away from where I lived. So I can't really drive there every two weeks and have them administer my shot. It's pretty typical for transgender individuals to administer their hormones at home. And so that's the route we were planning to take. Fortunately, my wife was not scared of needles or injections, and so she was going to be the brave one to do this. Well, at the doctor's office, I had to practice drawing it up. My anxiety was high. I knew I wasn't going to actually get the shot, so I didn't faint, but it was still very anxiety-inducing. So I come home, and I have my prescription, 
and it's time to take my first shot. So we have these friends, one of them is a nurse and actually teaches nursing students. And so I asked if she would come over with her wife and teach us how to do the shot because we got a very quick top level how-to at the doctor's office. It was do it between this spot and this spot on your leg, draw it up like this, do this, inject, which I didn't feel comfortable with. Fortunately, our friends came over and we got very good instructions on how to administer this testosterone shot. And they were there for the entire process. So there are four adults in our bedroom, one being my wife, the other our nurse friend, and then her wife. The nurse is walking my wife step by step through the process. I'm sitting on the edge of our bed with the fan going because if you are a fainter and you didn't know that air movement kind of helps keep you out of the fainting, um, it does, at least for me. So I'm sitting on the bed with my pants around my ankles, my wife and our nurse friend at my leg, my other friend standing at the side of the bed. I didn't look at her and ask her to hold my hand. And so through the entire shot, I am laying back on the bed, holding my friend's hand while she talks to me and tries to keep my mind off of what's happening on my leg. At some point, the shot is over. Like I seriously didn't even feel the needle go in my leg. And the shot is over and I'm still just holding on to her hand. And she's like, you know, they were done a while ago, right? And I'm like, yeah, just keep holding my hand. <laughs> Just don't let go. That first shot, it really wasn't as bad as I anticipated. And I wasn't really surprised by that because my anxiety, especially around shots, gets a little out of control. And I am aware of that. The interesting thing for me about this whole fainting business is that when I started researching other podcasts in preparation of starting this podcast, I came across one that talked about BII phobia which is blood injury injection phobia. And I had never heard this through all of the doctors and nurses and sports people that I talked to. No one told me that this BII phobia existed. So I'm going to read you the definition. According to the National Library of Medicine, BII phobia is a condition in which people are likely to faint at the sight of blood, the anticipation of physical injury, or the anticipation of an injection characterized by avoidance behavior and intense irrational fear in response to seeing blood, injections, injuries, disability, or exposure to these or other similar medical procedures. That definition blew my mind. I had no idea that there were other people out there that fainted like I did when they had to get a shot. Like I knew there were other people that fainted, yes. I didn't realize that they would experience it to the extent that I experienced it. And I definitely didn't have any idea that it was a whole like diagnosable phobia. I avoided doctors as long as I could if I knew I was going to have to get an injection. I even was terrified to get a tattoo because they use needles. 
Actually, the first time I did get a tattoo, I warned the tattoo artist before I even got in the chair that I was a fainter, but that I was very aware of when it was going to occur and that I was okay if I passed out, if he was okay if I passed out, and I did faint in the tattoo chair. Learning that this BII phobia exists, it was mind-blowing to know that I wasn't the only one experiencing it, and that it's actually recognized by medical professionals. Something as simple as fainting throughout most of my childhood, and then becoming an adult and learning that other people also experienced that, really makes me appreciate coming out as a transgender person in the time that I am. Because I'm not as isolated. I have all kinds of media in which transgender people are represented, and it's very easy for me, even though I live in a conservative state and I don't have a lot of transgender people in the area that I know, I know that I'm not the only one going through this. So getting back to my testosterone shots, I mentioned that I started with intramuscular and I really didn't see any way in which I could get to the point where I could administer that shot by myself. Since making the decision that I was going to medically transition from female to male, I had been going to YouTube and looking at videos of people giving themselves shots, trying to desensitize myself to the whole injection issue. And I had gotten to the point where I could watch other people give themselves a shot, which previous to this, if I was watching like a movie or a television show, if there was any kind of needle involved and they were going to like show it and the camera was right up on the needle touching the skin, I had to look away. Had to. I could not watch it. So now I got myself to the point where I could watch someone give themselves a shot. But having this big needle for my intramuscular shot I couldn't see myself ever getting to the point of being able to do that. So I started looking into other options and subcutaneous was an option. So it doesn't go into the muscle, it just injects into the fat. But the key thing about that is that it is a smaller needle. It's shorter. If you have enough strength to push the plunger with a smaller gauge, you can even use a smaller gauge. Went to my doctor and got permission to do subcutaneous shots. So my goal was to be able to give myself a shot. Because if I'm traveling and my wife isn't with me or something happens to my wife and she can't give me a shot, I don't want to have to go to an urgent care clinic or make an appointment with a doctor to go in and get this injection. I just want to be able to handle it myself. I start taking baby steps in order to eventually give myself the shot all on my own. I started with just prepping the syringes. I would draw the testosterone and get it all set up. And at this point, I still can't even watch her inject me. Even though I can watch other people inject themselves, I can't, I can't look. So eventually that moved to me being able to pinch my skin. I could pinch it because I still didn't have to look in order to pinch, right? I can look, find the spot, pinch the skin, and then my wife gives the injection. And I did that 
several times, like several weeks in a row of just pinching the skin. Then it was pinching the skin and then after she injects, I can look at it and I can hold the syringe while she does the injecting. I did that for several weeks. And then it was being able to stand because at this point, prior to standing, I was still sitting on the bed looking at something to distract myself. So before even starting this process, when I was doing intramuscular stuff, I would sit on the bed with the fan going on me and I would have my phone out and I'm playing a game on my phone or reading something on my phone or watching a video, doing anything to keep my mind off of what was happening on my leg. After being able to pinch my skin and hold the syringe while my wife does the injection, then I'm standing and pinching the skin and holding the syringe while my wife does the injection. And the first time I was able to stand while getting this shot, I just felt so proud of myself. Because if you are a fainter, you know that standing is like the worst position you can be in when engaging in something that triggers your fainting. So after I was able to stand for a few weeks while getting the injection, I would pinch the skin and my wife would inject me still while I was not watching the needle go in. And then I would inject the testosterone. And so we did that for a couple weeks. Then I was able to actually watch as the needle went in my skin. And so I'm pinching, my wife inserts the needle, and then I plunge it. Every single one of those steps I had to repeat several weeks, they were seemingly small steps, I would assume, to an outsider or someone who doesn't have a fear of injections and needles. But for me, every single time I was able to do that, and not faint, I was just so proud of myself. When you faint, especially as a kid, you get made fun of. And as an adult, when you're telling the nurse that you're a fainter, sometimes you just kind of get a look. Like, you're an adult. I can't give you this shot with this tiny needle. Like So just like everything else that you feel shame around, you internalize that. Every small step that I was able to do and every single time that we were successful or I moved up to another step and I didn't faint, I was just so proud of myself. And eventually, I did the entire thing by myself. My wife was still there, but I did the whole thing by myself. Now it's been a couple years that I can do my own injections, I do every single part of it. So while I was going through this process, the routine of it was very important. Very important that I didn't have anything out of place. Nothing unexpected could occur when I was going through this process. Knowing exactly what was going to happen and me being the one to say, okay, this time I'm going to try this. And really pushing myself but at a pace where I also felt comfortable was very important. After being able to give myself my own injections for quite a while, I had to travel and my travel day landed on a shot day. And so I was going to have to pack up all my stuff and it was going to be the first time administering a shot in an unknown location. So my process was changing, which is just added anxiety. I did the shot and... I didn't faint. Ever since then, 
I can actually get my blood drawn. I can get vaccinations. I can even go to the dentist and get a shot without having to have laughing gas, which is how <laughs> how that problem was cured for me as a child. I can go to the dentist and get a shot in my mouth and I don't faint. This is such an amazing process for me to go through from having to leave a conversation that was about injuries or blood or injections to being able to give myself a shot all on my own and I can get tattoos without fainting now like a grown-up. Just looking back on it, it's great to be able to see how far I've come. I know, having gone through this, that if I push myself, even if it's at a comfortable pace, I'm able to accomplish a lot. So it's possible that the most important piece of this journey I went on with my injections was that I didn't shame myself. I never put myself down for fainting when I was getting a shot. It was just something that happened. It didn't mean that I was a bad person or that I wasn't grown up or that I was childish even as an adult. It didn't mean any of those things. It just meant that I fainted when I got a shot. Accepting that and slowly pushing myself one small step at a time without that judgment, I think is really what allowed me to get to where I am today. So if I'm looking back on this journey of my fainting with compassion, it's interesting because as kids, when things happen that are outside of what we know, and we make fun of it a lot, we joke around about it, but I internalized a lot of that, not even necessarily around fainting, um, but just in general. And having this journey as an example for myself of what I can accomplish when I don't judge myself is inspiring. If I can apply this lesson to other parts of my life, and stop judging myself when I think I should be farther along or I think this should be easier or I think I shouldn't have issues with this other thing. If I can just accept that that's what it is, I'm having issues with this, and stop and figure out little baby steps that challenge me, that push my comfort zone, but still allow me to have small wins along the way, I think that's something to, to take with me. So thank you for joining me as I take a look back on my fainting history and all of the progress I've made around injections. Join me next week on Tuesday for episode six. We will be talking about coming out. I think this is going to be the start of a series on coming out just because it's such a huge topic and it's something that even though I am five years into my transition, I still have to make a conscious choice to choose to come out to people. So I'm going to dedicate a little bit of time to this and really look into all the areas of my life in which I have had to come out and continue to have to come out. So join me next week on Tuesday. I'll see you then.